This podcast is not to be used as medical advice or medical education. If you are experiencing pain, discomfort, or any other medical or physical ailment, please consult a licensed medical doctor or physical therapist. This is the strategy of fitness. Hey, this is Dan Gorin from the Strategy of Fitness Podcast. We'd like to thank you for all of your support. And if you love the podcast, please recommend to a friend. Find the Strategy of Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Please like, subscribe, follow, and leave a review if you can. On Instagram, we are at the Strategy of Fitness. And we also give you the best gym songs every week. The Strategy of Fitness official hitters playlist on Spotify and Apple Music. Welcome back to episode 38 of the Strategy of Fitness podcast. My name is Nick Cressy, joined weekly by Dan Gorn and Rob Rowland. And this week, very special guest, Dan Pope. What is going on, boys? Nothing, man. I'm enjoying hey. myself, sitting here drinking one of, one of Rob's high noons and really having a good time, man. What about you, Rob? What's up? Dude, I'm excited to bring the original podcast buddy that I had, the original Dan, Alpha Dan, Dan Pope, whatever you want to call him, but my man, Dan, I mean, I will go like a little bit more into your background later, but Dan, the way we kind of like kick things off is kind of like give a review quickly on like workouts we did in the week. So you want to, want to kick us off with like what you did this week? Did you hit Murph this week? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll start. Well, I didn't do Murph this week. Apologize. Oh no. I also just ate a pizza right before this and it's like 930 <laughs> almost. So I apologize if I'm incoherent but yeah lately i i'm in quarantine so i don't really have as much access to the gym so i'm pretty much just doing weight stuff twice a week and believe it or not i'm actually doing some running twice a week it's a little new to me and then i'm just doing a whole lot of curls you know a lot of a lot of arms a lot of triceps and shoulders stuff on the weekends and that's that's it man that's kind of the mainstay right now any specific workouts run workouts you want to give to the listeners something they they could try at home or you just kind of flying by the seat of your pants there Oh, God, man. Pretty much flying by speed of my pants. In terms of running stuff, I've been trying some polarized running. You guys ever heard of a polarized training plans at all? I have no idea what that is. It's super boring, but it's supposed to be effective <laughs> anyway. But And this I've read through a bunch of kind of research papers, but um, they've taken a whole bunch of running training programs. It's not just running. It's also like cycling and cross-country skiing and that type of thing. And they'll pit the programs against one another and be like, all right, you'll do all high-intensity interval training, right? Or you'll do all long, slow running, or you'll do like all tempo runs, you know, and they just combine a whole bunch of training programs. And the one that seems to come out the best, and they use like time to exhaustion tests, VO2 max testing to check and see this, is something called polarized running, which is 80% long, slow runs, and then 20% high-intensity interval stuff, which would be more like three minutes on at like a seven out of 10 intensity and like three minutes off for like 20 minutes or something, loop those back and forth. So it's pretty boring, to be honest. It's only like, you know, 20% fast runs. Literally, I do, oh God, 12 minutes of fast running every week. <laughs> as a two whole I mean, hours. If you, if you th- um, wow. If you think about that though, and we had a great guest, Dan Singles on, and we went over a lot of running, um, running things, you, you find that breakdown in most running programs where most of your time running, this is something Nick's pushed back on a little bit, is spent in that really kind of low steady state cardio zone, maybe that what zone one or zone two. And, and that, that training, you know, paradigm, even though I've never heard of it, kind of aligns with I think most of what we know about running research, would you say? Yeah, Dan's just giving another cool. name to it here. So we, we just call it 80-20. Now, now it's the polarized program. So we have another, another <laughs> name for it. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so it's like new Coke. Well, well, Dan, I, 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 tease, I tease you up as Alpha Dan, and we had a legendary Memorial Day episode with Tetlow, and you come in and tell us that you didn't even do Murph. So let's, uh, let's go around <laughs> the rest of the room before we get into your background, and let's, let's talk about how, how Murph went for everybody. So Dan G, Dan, you start us off. How would Murph go for you, man? It was good. I was the absolute CrossFit douchebag, wearing the vest at a nice park, you know, at like 7 a.m. with people sleeping all around and doing kipping pull-ups at a park. So I wouldn't recommend not doing a pull-up for three months and then doing Murph. It was had trouble lifting my arms for like two days, but I got it. I got her done. 
47 and change, 47, 34, I think was my time. And I did it partitioned in the Cindy style. First one was 7.30, second was 8.30. But I felt really good. I, I've been doing, you know, we know that I haven't had access to the pull-up bar, but I've been doing a lot of penlay rows and really hammering heavy deadlifts every single week. And just trying to keep, a, and a lot of bent rows too, and just trying to keep the grip strength up. So my my lats, you know, everything held up. I hit all my pull-ups. I was actually felt really strong on the pull-up bar. And it was, again, one of those shitty playground pull-up bars. So it was not a lot of working to my advantage, but I got it done. One little cheat I found was, I, you know, I don't think it's really a cheat, but I was varying the grip on the push-ups, you know, going wide, so I'm going narrow, so I'm just to trying to hit different areas of the chest, kind of gave me a little rest there, so maybe a little little life hack I found for the Murph there. How about you, Nick? How'd it go for you? Real quick, before I, I talk about myself, is that an improvement on last year? Yeah, yeah, that's a two-minute PR for me. I got 49.36, I think, last year, so two, that's two awesome. minute PR. And, and that's, that's yeah. three months, no pull-ups, so that's a test no of your, <laughs> your overall fitness, man. Good on you. Thanks. More more importantly, did you do it on Memorial Day and <laughs> golf in the same yes. day? Yes, I did. Shot a terrible one-on-one. I was, could barely swing a club, but it was, uh, it was good. It, had, it was an awesome day. It was a great day. I'm glad you're the PR in itself. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> glad yeah, you can make that three thirty tea time. <laughs> exactly. And, Te- and Tetlo would be proud. Cause I like, I was thinking like, as I was getting up that morning, I was just thinking like, what would Tello do? That guy's not fucking sleeping in. No. Nah. Yeah. He hit it in 35 minutes. I saw on his IG. I went unpartitioned 24 pound vest. You best believe every time I talk about Murph, I mentioned that I do it four pounds heavier than everyone else. And <laughs> 40 minutes and 50 seconds. So three minute and nine second improvement from last year. A lot of that had, was a testament to not drinking the night before. It's, it's, it's really wild what happens when you just don't booze and you get eight hours of sleep and you actually take a workout really seriously, which I did this year for Murph. And what was the other thing? Oh, the, the, the breakup, the really small push-up sets. I took that right from Tetlo. I didn't do a single set over five. But man, I was flying. So I still am having some difficulty walking downstairs right now, the way my legs feel. Um, I went out and got it on the runs. I was right around maybe 6.50, I guess seven, seven minutes on the first run and 7.59 on the second. But yeah, it was, it was a great time for me. What about you, Rob? Did you uh, end up flailing around on your, on your rig outside? Yeah, I, like usually I'll do a couple like build up workouts going to Murph, so I'd absolutely crush myself. But I didn't do that this year, so I figured I better weight down the the squat stand so I could do some some chipping as I tire out. Yeah. Um I didn't beat last year's time. Like I, I was just under forty last year and this year I was forty fifty eight. I think the the big changeovers on that second mile, I didn't have like a bunch of guys behind me chasing me, making sure I didn't slow down. I felt like yeah. I was on the biggest loser like running out around the block. I could only like muster up a few fast steps before I would just well, slow down to like a fat man trot. So it crushed me, dude. I, I think I got dehydrated out there. I had a headache all the next day. It was just, just I think it's the worst I've ever felt after the workout. My my tries are still pretty pretty lit up. Yeah, that workout does some weird things to people. I mentioned it to you guys on the text, but like Nick, your anchor, and and good on him for like being super transparent with everyone. He like came on and was like, "Yeah, I did it in fifty minutes. Like I just I I wasn't feeling it. I think he caught a cramp." or had some type of back seized up or something. And next thing you know, it's like an athlete of his caliber just wasn't ready for that volume. So it can happen to all of us, but. And nothing can prepare you too for that second run. And every year I forget about it. And like I said, that's <laughs> usually my strength is I'm like, oh, I have to go run like wherever. And <laughs> I'll say that first quarter mile, that second run, I was probably at about a 12 minute pace. I couldn't move until, you know, so it was like I was sprinting the last half miles just to make up that ground on that first quarter. Exactly. Yeah, you're literally dead. Those legs are gone. But enough about us. Let's hear, Rob. I want to give you. This is like talking to Rob's ex girlfriend on the pod here. OG podcaster. But let's hear about Dan Pope and what his background is and why he's here with us today. Yeah, so I, I first met Dan years ago, back when I was doing strongman competitions. Dan was like the only other guy there that didn't look like a, a chuffy, like old power lifter or like one in a ball, just like jacked up dude we were like kind of the weird ones there that didn't really fit the mold but did pretty well in the competition so dan met through strongman we ended up going to pt school around the same time we kept contact and started a little podcast when we were at like the height of our dunning crooner kruger effect where we were like just learning stuff and thought we knew everything and we put a whole bunch of episodes out there talking about god knows what I don't think you can find them anymore, thankfully, because if I listen to what I said, I don't know, was that like seven, eight years ago now? I'd probably want to want to kill me. 
<laughs> that's how I got intro to Dan. So Dan's a physical therapist. He's got a few ventures going on right now. He's still running fitness pain free, which I'm seeing no royalties from. He's got <laughs> power monkey. He's got he's got all kinds of stuff going on. So I'm gonna kick over to Dan. Dan, give us like a quick, quick snapshot on what you got going on, a little bit on your background and and just introduce yourself to the listeners. Yeah, sure. So my name is Dan Pope. I was a personal trainer. I went to Rutgers University and I was a pole vaulter there. So kind of a weird background from that perspective. And I always loved strength training. So while I was doing all the pole vaulting stuff, I was always training like an idiot in the gym. It would seem um, the absolute best meathead I could be at the time, or what I thought I could be anyway. So I absolutely loved uh, exercise and fitness in general. And that kind of led me to pursue personal training after I finished up with school, because I really wanted to work with, with people and get them stronger and get them fit and just stay in that field. And what I kept finding over the course of time is that I'd be working with people and they'd get hurt from time to time or they'd have pre-existing injuries. And, you know, I, I try to take these people and refer them to local PTs and the local PTs wouldn't really be especially helpful. It'd be kind of these like, oh, of course you got hurt. You're doing deadlifts or of course you got hurt. You're doing swings or whatever it was. Oh, you're bench press. And that's why I got hurt. You know, you're over 40. You shouldn't lift weights anymore. All the traditional advice. So after a while, I, I just kind of said, this is silly. I, I really want to be able to help these people. What should I do? So I went to physical therapy school and then all throughout physical therapy school, I continued working as a personal trainer, actually a CrossFit coach uh, at that time. And once I graduated, I just really worked hard on making that my, my niche niche. I don't know what you want to call it, but continued to coach CrossFit for a few years there. I also competed in CrossFit, competed a lot in strongman actually too, before PT school. And then a little bit while I was in PT school. And over the past couple of years, I've kind of really made that my target market. That I work with every single day, trying to help people continue exercising in a healthy way and get them back to training once they, they do get hurt, you know, and that's been my business with fitness pain free. And I do that every day at champion physical therapy and performance. So talk a little bit about champion, talk about Mike and how that started up and then how like that, that team is split up there. Like your role in that team there. Yeah, for sure. So champion's an awesome place. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with champion physical therapy or how we kind of do things, but it's an out of network provider. It's just like a fancy way of saying that I can kind of do whatever the heck I want to do when I'm treating people, you know, and the people can apply for their own insurance reimbursement. So I have very few restrictions on what I can do as a physical therapist. So I could, I can coach people. I can do manual techniques. I can, I can work with every person I want. I can, I can work on someone's snatch technique or I can have them do pull-ups whatever I want to do. And the insurance company's not come back at me and tell me I can't do that. What's awesome about Champion is it, it does three things. It's a, a really cool integrated approach where we actually have sport coaches for baseball, right? In our facility. And we also have a whole strength and conditioning branch and a, a big gym. We actually have batting cages and turf fields and stuff too. And we also have physical therapy. So it's, it's kind of full systematic approach to working with athletes, you know, if you will. And I've kind of really made my niche in the fitness world to people that get hurt, let's say powerlifting, let's say weightlifting, love CrossFit. And then people that just love exercise. And I also, have tended to see more and more triathletes and endurance athletes, which is an old love of mine that I guess is kind of rekindled a little bit. So I'm doing some more running, but I really enjoy fitness and I've been able to kind of practice full spectrum a champion, which is cool. I, I know if, you, if we want to get Nick excited here, we'll start talking about some of like the, the CrossFit athletes you work with. I know you've talked to me about a few of like your, your regional level competitors. So like how, what is it like working with those high level CrossFit competitors and what does what your coaching and, and therapy management look like for, for that clientele? For sure. I guess I'll share that experience. I don't, I'm not going to give too many names just because uh, HIPAA, HIPAA. You know, not that information, but there's been a couple of remarkable people. I mean, this guy, he was probably going to qualify for the games this year. He had been to the games as a team competitor, and then he wanted to go individual, and he had a decent shot at it. And I mean, he, he's a strong guy. He's tall, so he's like 6'2", 6'4", which for CrossFit is is pretty tall, right? I mean, the top guys are like five foot eight. Rich Roy Jr., the first time I met him, I was like, oh, wow, he is actually quite a bit shorter. Same thing with Matt Frazier. Those guys are not super tall, you know? My old boss was Matt Chan. I remember Matt Chan standing next to Rich. They're at the same height. And then when I met Matt Chan, I was like, I'm as tall as this guy. This guy's shorter than me. So most of the top guys are relatively short. He was a taller guy, and he was snatching high 200s, kind of low 300s, and then his clean jerk was 330, 350-ish, and then he could run a mile in the low right so just like a actual like a phenomenal athlete and this was about eight weeks before regionals he caught a clean was coming out of the hole and felt something funky within his knee it wasn't especially 
particularly painful, but something kind of popped up and didn't feel good and kind of lost support. Dropped the bar. I didn't really feel great. You know, knee got swollen, went to one of the surgeons we both like in the area, did an MRI, and he had a meniscus tear. And the doc's like, oh, boy, it's still one or two ways. I don't really know how big the tear is. He may wake up in the surgery. And you just have to take a, a piece out of it, do a metastectomy, and then you could potentially train for regionals, which starts in eight weeks. And keep in mind, this guy wants to make it to the games. Or they repair the meniscus, and then, you know, he, he can't. He has no shot just because that rehab's much longer. But anyway, he went through with surgery, and it was a metastectomy, and they had to remove like 70% of his meniscus. And then the doctor called me up because I'm kind of friendly with him. He's like, hey, I got this guy. <laughs> he wants to compete at regionals. And at this point, it's like six more weeks or something like that until regionals. And he just had this surgery. Like, well, can we get him back to the point where he's competitive? You know, I'm like, all right, we'll give it our best shot, you know. And we can go through the rehab if you like, but I know the story's getting kind of long. He actually ended up competing and he did very well. He actually didn't make it. And it was probably because of some of his gymnastic skill stuff. It wasn't necessarily because of his knee. But yeah, it's a pretty amazing story and really cool. He was able to get back to that level after that type of injury. That's an awesome story. And just looking at, you know, you put some great stuff online, your resource. I know you have a, you have a book out too, which is, which is awesome. Every time I see something like that, I'm super jealous that, I, that I'm not more motivated to write anything. <laughs> but when you're working with those high level competitors, I know from my standpoint, when I get somebody like that that walks in the door, it just totally makes my day. How fun is it to work with that population? They're awesome, man. But what I will say is that, you know, I think it's really cool. And I hate to, you know, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but you're, I see some people at the top level that are awesome. And I see some people at the top level that suck. Like I, I, I've worked <laughs> with a lot of really high level people that are just, they're assholes, they're arrogant, they expect care, they don't follow up, you know, and then you see some people that are absolutely phenomenal. So. I love working with those high-level guys. It's just that I've gotten used to some of them being crappy people too. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that yeah, was my... Yeah, yeah that's why like coming all different shapes and sizes, that's for sure. There we, there we go. <laughs> Spot on, Dan. <laughs> I love the cliches. My question was to piggyback on that. So you obviously are trusted by some high-level athletes and you expect them to kind of come in and be professional, right? What happens when they come in and they want to do their own thing? Do you, is there, is there a kind yeah. of an egotistical like standoff or are you kind of like, well, fuck it. If you don't want to fit into this plan that I'm, that I'm working with you, piss off. Like, yeah, I think it's a dance, man. It's, it can be very challenging. One of the things I feel really strongly about is that and this is big time in the, I think in the fitness world and the strength world. And then also in the physical therapy world too, but there's this, this thought that you want to be right and kind of right. say what you feel is best for that person, you know, or what they need to hear. But one of the things I, I tell the students I work with is that, are you saying this to your patient, your athlete, because you want to be right? Or are you saying this because you think it's going to be the best thing for them? You know, and I think a lot of times you're trying to hook that person, you know, you may have the absolute best plan for that person in front of you, but they are really hell bent on doing something that's quite a bit different, you know? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it, it's this dance of trying to, you know, go along that pathway with athletes one to a point and give them a, a little bit of what you think is best. And then over the course of time, try to push more and more into what you think helps the most. At the end of the day, like, I can't even tell you how many people are like, man, I think the reason I got better was definitely the Normatec, you know, or, or was the ultrasound or whatever it was in my head. I'm like, yep. Yep, well, I think there's a lot it, of skepticism, you know, but, right? Like these high level guys, especially if you're new to them, maybe you're coming referred, but whatever it is, like they need to learn some trust. I know I was, I'm not high level when I was like that, when I was dealing with trainers, I was like, who are these guys? Like they almost have to prove it to me. And then as ridiculous and egotistical as that sounds, once they do, it's like you trust them with everything. And I'm sure that I'm sure plenty of your relationships evolved that way. Yeah, I agree with you for sure. The one thing I will say is that I'm lucky in that if people are coming to me, oftentimes they're being referred from someone else who trusts me. And, you know, that patient may trust their coach or whoever it is. Yeah. So once they come to me, they automatically generally have that respect and they're going to listen to me and what I have to say because someone else told them, you know, that I was going to do a good job. So that may be the, the surgeon, that could be their coach, you know, maybe another physical therapist, a like trainer, whatever it is, one of their buddies that, did rehab with me. So that's been one of the most powerful things, but you're right. You're going to get some people every once in a while that have a big ego and it's hard. You're, it's a trust building process. And I always try my best. I mean, there's some people where, you know, I just, 
they're hard to work with. And you know, that everything they're saying is probably not helpful and they're not listening to everything you have to say. And that's tough. And, you know, you can go one of two ways when you're working with those folks, you can kind of go and disagree and build pool rapport and have the person ever come back, or you can try your best to build it and hope they start listening to you and kind of build an approach that works best for them, you know, because at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's not about me helping you. It's about that person reaching their goals. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing. Like I'm there to help that person that's in front of me. And if I ever got to do that, I'm going to try anyway. One thing that I'll give Rob an immense amount of credit for is he turned me on. It was one of our books of the week on the podcast was uh, Chris Voss, Never Split the Difference. Have you read that book, Dan? No. It's a phenomenal book from an FBI negotiator. And it's so cool because the advice you're telling your PT student is kind of exactly what he imparts in this book. And, and, you know, I'm a physical therapist myself. It has given me such a great framework to to speak and communicate with those types of high-level kind of difficult patients. It's it helped me more than honestly any any one person or thing has helped me. So so big ups to Rob on that one. Cool. Yeah. Wow. After we, we you tore you down all last week, you're still throwing out compliments. I'm thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. That was an awesome book, man. And really, like I said, when you have those difficult patient populations, and like you said, if you're treating high-level athletes, you know, regardless of who you're working with, I think there's there's lessons within that book that can provide a great framework to develop uh, trust and a, a good working relationship for sure. Cool. I'll have to maybe send me the author and the, the title of that after this thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to go back to this this regionals guy. So percent of your meniscus like that is the big shock absorber in your knee like 70 percent of that is no joke like there's out there's going to be some long-term consequences for that decision so tell me about like that six weeks up to regionals like what did you have him do afterwards and like what conversations do you have with an athlete like that when they they come to you and that's they they have this short-term goal in there i mean i mean that's a pretty significant surgery to have yeah it was you know and this guy is like a training maniac a lot of these guys will just do whatever they need to do to get to where they want to be is actually a little tough for him because he, this is kind of his last go around because he wanted to go into the military and get hurt himself and you can't hurt yourself too much than go into the military. So he's pretty scared about this one and he wanted to make sure that he was able to stay healthy and not just put everything on the line and then, you know, hurt himself further and then not be able to fulfill his kind of dream, which is more in the military, which is doing really well at this point. He made it there, you know, great work on him, but it was, just a very piecemeal thing. And to be honest, it's, it's a meniscectomy. So it's not 70% of the meniscus. You're exactly right. Like that's a huge chunk of your meniscus to lose. You need your meniscus. If you lose a big chunk of it, you're more likely to develop more arthritis over the course of time. It kind of starts this cascade of wear and tear, which is obviously not great, you know? Plus this guy just had surgery. There's an active inflammatory process in there. We're going to start hitting things relatively hard to get him prepared for the competition. You know, I'm sure that, you know, we didn't have the best timeline to heal as best as possible. So, Part of it was just educating him on the process and just starting to give him a little bit of hope and just saying, like, I want to start this at this week, followed by this the following week, and just work our way up slowly. But the big thing was getting back to squatting. You know, he tore his meniscus in the bottom of the squat. So that's probably where the majority of the tearing occurred. You know, if I had to guess, I don't remember exactly what part of the meniscus it was. But yeah, getting back to deep squatting was something that was challenging. We're usually, supposed to present with quite a bit of swelling. So initially, we're just trying to get back to the point where we can have full deflection, right? Within the first week or two, we were back to squatting. I think by two weeks, we're full depth. At that point, we're doing a lot of stuff to get the quad back on board, trying to get the swelling out, working on range of motion. We're doing a lot of blood flow restriction at that point, too, which I think is a phenomenal tool for these athletes in general, but also for post-op rehab because you can get that train effect and get a little bit of the metabolic effect super important for CrossFit athletes early on with a lot less load. And then probably about three or four weeks, we started to load things up. And unfortunately, he's a very strong guy. He didn't lose a ton of strength, which was really nice. So we just built up slowly. Uh, last week or two, we incorporated more full Olympic lifts, gotten to the point where he was hitting maybe 70, 80% of his prior max and feeling pretty good. And then it was just kind of Hail Mary when he got to the competition and he performed really well. You talked about blood flow restriction training there, and Rob did a, a deep dive on that. What have you seen? It sounds cool. It sounds new. It sounds like it's it's becoming more prevalent in gyms. Do you use it often? Do you swear by it, anything like that? I'd say from a rehab standpoint, I swear by it. A little bit of my own history on BFR stuff is I've been using BFR for probably the past three years or so, both with myself, my own training, and with a lot of the athletes I work with because I, I write programming for people uh, as well. And then a ton in rehab. I think it's a super valuable tool in rehab. Oftentimes in rehab, you have individuals that can't tolerate much loading. And if you start looking at some of the BFR research, I'm going to dive in here too. 
strength training is generally a little bit better in terms of building strength, which makes sense. I mean, you can't you really take 20% of your max and, and build your deadlift, right? It doesn't really make a ton of sense. Although there's been some studies that show that BFR is as good as, you know, 80% of your one rep max per rep, which is kind of wild uh, to think about. But if, if you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. Taking an athlete that needs to creep some of their muscle mass and promote as much strength as possible, but they can't tolerate much loading, that is absolutely phenomenal because you can keep a lot of that, you know, and decrease some atrophy that occur after surgery, which is awesome. And I like it with people that have maybe a history of recurring problems. Let's say you have bench press kind of tweaking the shoulders and you can't handle that much bench press, right? So maybe one day a week you're doing extra arm work, extra shoulder stuff with blood flow. So they can get a little extra little volume, a little extra volume of strength work, maybe some extra hypertrophy work without irritating their shoulder and allowing them to make the progress over the course of time a little bit safer way. So I like it for a lot of reasons. I think it's a, it's a great tool. Very cool. Yeah, one thing that we didn't get into with the BFR, if you could just touch on it real quick. And when I was researching it, and again, I'm like moderately familiar with it. I haven't got the chance to use it in a clinic setting. I think after this COVID thing, I'll be using it a little bit more frequently at a new clinic I'll be in. But with the BFR, one thing that I think is a little counterintuitive, talk about some of the proximal effects. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, some of the proximal effects it have. So if you are using BFR and you have the cuffs on the thigh or on the upper arm, there is some good research to show that there is some beneficial aspects of the BFR for the proximal joint. So the hip in the case of the lower extremity and the shoulder in the case of the upper extremity. Are you familiar with the research on the proximal effects of the BFR? Yeah, you know, I'm not going to be the best. First answer that, you know, but uh, from what I have read, they're kind of theorizing it could be a hormonal effect, right? Or my own thoughts, maybe you're fatiguing the arm musculature. So now you have to kick in more of the prime movers of the chest or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, okay. I don't really know. It's just kind of interesting <laughs> that it does that. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where I, I didn't really get it from a physiological standpoint either, but that makes a lot of sense. You know, if you're gassing those distal muscles, then again, you're going to have to recruit any proximal musculature you can to, to complete the, the lift or complete the movement. So that makes a lot of sense. That was a good little description. Well, one of the system or systemic effects of the, the BFR is you get this huge lactate accumulation, which causes the body to release like a whole bunch of growth hormone from pituitary. So even if the, the effect is like you're working on bicep, there's still going to be this global response to just that growth hormone in the body too. So that, some of that proximal effect is that as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I don't know about you guys either, but when I do, I don't know, even if it's just something stupid like biceps, right? I get flushed. Like my whole head, there's like a emergency button my body's hitting at that point <laughs> saying like, this is intense, you know, which is funny because you're using like 10 pound dumbbells, but I don't get that as much when I'm just using free weight. So there's something funky to it. It's yeah. It's weird. definitely a near death experience when you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you get into the flight or flight and the, uh, the sympathetic, I'm sure, sure there's a massive sympathetic uh, nervous system responses at some level, right? You know, like Rob says, it has to be a more of a global pattern. Yeah. yeah I've seen people pass out on it, man. It's, a, it's an intense experience. Yeah. You guys use some BFR in your training? I only have a couple times. I, uh, we, did the whole episode, we did the episode about it and I talked about how I would only ever do BFR with the Delphi machine, like the very high 
high speed, like surgical grade one. But since then I made a purchase, like there's some European company that sells like the, the hand pump cuffs. So they're, they're in the mail, they're on their way here. So I'm going full BFR during quarantine as long as it lasts here, whenever I get them. Oh shit. You didn't even oh, tell us that. He's all sorts of cuffs. I was trying to keep it a secret. I was just going to send you guys a sick picture of me with a pump on, but I've been waiting like two weeks for these things to arrive. We would have known it was BFR induced. <laughs> He's not normally that pumped. What's going it on here? Depends what, depends what pictures you're sending us, buddy. Yeah, I assume there would be some enhancement. <laughs> yeah, so like, I, it's cool hearing about your role at Champion and working with uh, the athlete management there, but you got a couple of your own projects we touched on. So Fitness Pain Free, which you stole from me, and then Power Monkeys, your other one. Talk a little <laughs> bit about those and what, what was going on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So the idea I stole from Rob, was fitnesspainfree.com, which I guess that was like, I don't know, eight years ago, eight or nine years ago, something like that. Just about I don't remember when we started. Yeah. But anyway, it was, it was kind of an extension of what I talked about earlier is I just wanted to help more people in the fitness world deal with their injuries. And one of the things I'm sure you found, all you guys, is that there's a terrible amount of misinformation out there about how to kind of heal your own problems, right? So if you've got I don't know, IT band syndrome, I mean, just roll your IT band all day long, you know, or do whatever other funky technique that you read or heard from your grandmother about how to get rid of your elbow pain, you know? So it's, it's tough, you know? And I just felt pretty strongly that there needed to be some better information out there for folks to kind of help themselves. And the other part is, and this has changed a lot in the past eight years or so, but especially in CrossFit, and I think like strongman and powerlifting, and think weightlifting is just too like obscure and small to sport, but there's definitely this, stigma associated with crossfitters and god you guys are crazy drink the kool-aid like it you know these guys of course they're getting hurt it's bad for you it's not necessarily true so no medical professionals were on board with helping these folks you know and i just i was like well i'm coaching this and i'm doing this so i don't agree with that and and since then as you guys know there's more research coming out that show the injury risk is similar to many other things so it's really not that bad so yeah i started this website and the idea is to educate folks as much as I can and try to help them with their pain problems. But it's really, it's morphed into a pretty cool thing. For me, I love to learn. And I love to try to help people. And my website and my business is exactly how I do that. So what I end up doing is I create products for two different types of people. The first being fitness professionals, rehab professionals that want to learn how to work with athletes in the gym. And the other one is going to be that athlete that either wants a training program, mobility program, or some sort of pain program. So what I end up doing is I will take my own thoughts, my own ideas, my own experimentation, and I'll try to create a system from that. And I'll utilize it with my athletes, and I'll tweak it, and I'll fine-tune it. And I do more research, and I kind of learn more, and I tweak my system more and more, and I put it into a program, or I put it into an online course. You know, And I've got, I'm pretty close to completing most of what I want to try to get done. So I have mobility programs. I have pain programs for pretty much all the most common injuries to gym. And I also have an entire certification with a bunch of other complimented courses for all the different joints, the most common injuries in the gym too. So my big thing is to try to help those two populations as much as I can. And that's kind of the fitness pain three business. Go ahead. I didn't contribute to any of those programs. So I, I obviously have, I, I was just part of the original podcast, but that, that's some um, laid the foundation together there. Right, I would never make it without you and your contributions. That's what I was looking for. That's what I was looking for. You jumped out right before the work started. It sounds great. I'm on this Instagram page right now, scrolling through a lot of cool stuff here. Now, you know, we had a conversation a couple episodes ago about Dom's delayed onset muscle soreness. And I said, you know, like, you know, if you're not getting them, you're probably not training the right way. And then I read this Instagram <laughs> page that has 20,000 followers and it's all about fitness pain free. Can we can we meet in the middle here? Like, what do you think here? <laughs> yeah, you know, you be honest. Like, I don't know. I'm 35. I'm not sure how old all you guys are, but if you train really hard for long enough, you're gonna get aches and pains. It just happens. So I've kind of thought about. It. I'm like, I should have named it fitness with a little bit of pain. Is okay, <laughs> you know. But it wasn't the best, like buzzword. You know what I mean? At the time, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. You know, it's, there are aches and pains. Pain is normal. It's okay. Sores is normal. All that stuff is fine. It's just kind of how you manage to deal with it, you know, to stay fit and healthy over time. Very cool content on here, though, man. Yeah, it's great stuff. And I want to ask you a little bit about your colleagues. You work with 
your champion and, and people that I followed because recently took my sports certification. So did a bunch of the online classes with Lenny Macrina. And uh, he's a great mm-hmm. veteran PT that I know you're in a clinic with. And Mike Reinhold is a, you know, kind of the first in the blog scene in the PT world. So talk, talk to the PTs out there. We have some PTs and some student PTs that listen to this podcast. How awesome is it to have mentorship like that? And what have you learned from those guys? Those guys have that 20 years of experience. I know Reinhold was with the Red Sox. I know Lenny's worked with just about, you know, probably every major baseball player in that area. So tell me what that's like. Man, it's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, God. I remember I did uh, like a little... I don't know what it was, a lesson in school, in grad school. And it was basically like, write down the most ideal PT setting that you'd like to be in in the next 20 years. And the, the, the goal was like, you wrote it, you handed it in, teacher would steal it up and give it back. And you say, don't open it up for another 10 years, whatever it is. And I, it's bad to say, because I'm here and no one else is, well, you know, not everyone's where I'm at. But I found kind of like my paradise. It's, it's really, really cool. I really wanted to work in an area that does all the things that I just spoke about. So kind of practices from the performance, the strength conditioning to the physical therapy. And they're also very closely connected to the, the surgeons in the area. So that is a really cool thing. Um, I've learned a ton from these guys. A few things that I've learned a lot over the past three years that's changed the way I practice is to respect probably the physician side of things more. All of these guys worked very closely with Dr. Jane Vandrews. You ever heard of that guy before? Oh, yeah. surgeon? Of course. They've just worked with a lot of really big names and they've worked with a lot of athletes, obviously. And they've kind of taught me to respect that surgical model when it's best to work for someone, when it's best to refer them to the surgeon, when it kind of push them to the strength conditioning side of things. And obviously, Mike and then Lenny, they have a very biomechanical alignment, kind of structural take on the way they do rehabilitation which I think is really important for like professional baseball athletes. You know, I think that that whole style of thinking has gotten a lot of backlash from the pain science community, which, you know, funnily enough, like a, a lot of the pain science literature is coming out is showing that just like anything else, even pain science, pain science explanation, you know, is more of a short-term effect and doesn't have a long-term effect that, you know, anything has, right. Even exercise, you stop doing it, you stop having effect of it. So, it taught me to really respect that biomechanical role, you know, and then what was kind of neat and, you know, Rob and I were kind of more, I guess, learning. We, t- we chatted about this maybe uh, a week ago. We just called up with uh, Rob was asking about his old shoulder dislocation. He kind of grew up in this weird place where the pain science thing was blossoming, you know, and for a new mm-hmm. clinician, it was, it was so interesting and so cool to learn all this stuff. So obviously I try to learn as much as I can. And then I kind of gotten immersed into this biomechanics world, which is probably coming initially from, let's say, Olympic weightlifting gymnastics, super biomechanical, and but the technique is so vital, you know, and that just really merged really well with what Mike and Lenny do with throwers, you know, because yeah. they work with those athletes every single day of the week, you know, and you see some common injuries with these guys, and it's, it's similar, it's not quite the same, but uh, the thought process of working with these folks is very similar to the way that Mike or Lenny would work with a baseball athlete the way I work with maybe an Olympic weightlifter. Yeah, and definitely like, it's funny because you're on Instagram and I've dabbled in that that world a little bit and the pain science thing has taken such a stronghold and all these, for lack of a better term, losers with absolutely zero clinical experience, you know, they'll just go nuts with the pain science thing and completely ignore biomechanics. And I think there's a a happy marriage that can be had between the two disciplines and and understanding both, both parts of the problem. I would love to see the pain science therapist manage Nick's Nick's hip and back pain. That would that would probably go really well. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Manage uh, Nick's hip and back pain. It's so nihilistic. It's like, well, no exercise is bad, and nothing's bad, but nothing's inherently good. So what you're <laughs> left with is a Jackson Pollock painting that nobody's going to fucking buy. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Oh god. Yeah, is that is that too harsh? I, I don't know if Adam Meekins is crying in his in his in his cage over there, but I don't know if that was too bad. Oh, that was fair. I liked it. <laughs> okay, got it. All right. Well said. Dan, I also see on yeah. your site you're doing this work with with Power Monkeys. That's something you're still working on, or something you want to talk about at all? Yeah, for sure. I just I had a podcast earlier in the week with Chad Bond and Dave Durante. You guys familiar with Power Monkey at all? I can kind of go into a little bit of what it is. No, did you enjoy like that? Pod- did you have more fun on that podcast or this one? Just 
<laughs> this is way better, you know. Just yeah. the time, you know, late night. Yeah, with good. pizza. Just make it. Sleep, like it. Cool. Yeah, I had a slice of pizza and some high noons myself, so I'm feeling good. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, you tell guys us really about high I came in hard with the pizza, and you're like, "Well, I <laughs> vomited." Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Power Monkey Fitness was started by Dave Durante and Chad Vaughn. Chad Vaughn's been to Olympics twice for Olympic weightlifting. Dave Durante, six-time Team USA, Olympic Ultimate 2008, China Olympics. They initially were teaching clinics around the world about a combination of Olympic weightlifting and also gymnastics just because there's interest from CrossFit. And they kind of said, well, wouldn't it be really cool if instead of doing these seminars, we can just have people come to a camp that's one week long and we'll get the best coaches in the world and we'll have a lot of fun and we'll learn in the process. So at the time, I was invited to do a roundtable debate, I guess they're calling it, for CrossFit headquarters. And this was, I guess, about seven years ago as well. And I said, oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. And it was a debate about keeping pull-ups and it was whether or not they're safe. And I'm like, all right, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So they flew me out there, which is awesome. And as soon as I got there, they're like, well, you're going to be debating against Dave Durante, six-time Team USA, you know, Olympic alternate. I'm like, God damn, this hooked me, <laughs> took me all the way out here. Now you got me like arguing with a link. Awesome. But at the time, I don't even know if anyone from CrossFit HQ read my articles. Maybe they just saw the titles and thought like, man, this guy must hate tipping, you know? But anyway, Dave and I ended up getting along really well and he agreed on most things. And at that point, I was like, man, this guy's cool. I should, I should try to link up with him some, some way. And I had him on, on our podcast. Rob, sorry, your podcast? I'm not even sure what to call it. Um, <laughs> it's and, it's uh, like arguing that, over your kids. It's great. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I feel so bad. I feel, I've, taken, I've taken all the positives from it. and You've gotten all the nothings. He's left with us, Dan. He's left with us. fitness. We just got arguably much better. in the mail. Strategy anyway, pain free will be what comes out of this. Yeah. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah. But anyway, he had this idea, right? And we kind of talked at the same time. He said, Would you like to come out to Tennessee? It's Crossville, Tennessee. It's the middle of nowhere. Do this kind of fitness camp thing, you know? And we're going to try to get all a bunch of coaches in and going to get a bunch of people that are really into fitness and we're going to teach them some stuff and we're having a great time. It's going to be a week long. Are you in? I'm like, Yeah, let's do it. That sounds great. You know, because you pay me to do this. Like, this is like, a dream, you know? So that was 13 camps ago. They run two a year. So I've been to all the camps. They actually had to camp, cancel this past one in the spring. Unfortunately, it was the first one in 13 camps, I guess, that was canceled due to cor- or COVID, Corona. So they had this camp. It's twice a year. They also do kind of these intensive camps multiple times per year. They do seminars all over the world. They travel internationally. And they also have an online education system they're putting together uh, as well as kind of an online training hub where you can get training programs for let's say a muscle up or improve your dip get your first pull up you know improve your olympic lifts that type of thing and hopefully i'll get some of my programs up there someday as well but yeah that's a continuing education company i would say that does a lot of live seminars and also online education i'm the physical therapist i do that type of thing i do the boring stuff nice so yeah. yeah, I know you're saying like during quarantine, you're, you're not doing much right now, but, but standard Dan Pope in the gym, I want to hear about like what your week looks like in the gym. And then if you want to press the listeners, like some of your, your best list of all time, I mean, that that's what really gets the people going. So, so what's, what's your current training looking like when you're not stuck, in, stuck inside? Yeah. So I, I'm a big believer in doing something pretty much every single day of the week, you know, I mean, if we didn't have COVID going on, I, I had better access to gym equipment, I would be training in the gym five days per week for the most part and usually do either an upper lower split or a combination of upper lower with some total body stuff in the mix and i have exercise ADD, so i cannot do one thing for any extended period of time but for the past two years it's, it's been more powerlifting than anything else with kind of a heavy emphasis on getting better some of the gymnastics moves like i was working on a one-handed handstand i got really close to that working on building my sumo deadlift is something I haven't done in years. Actually, I'm approaching my, some of my PRs that in a lot of my major lifts that I haven't touched in over a decade. So let's talk um, about that. Um, uh, Which ones? What's that? Let's talk about them. We, we're, we're all about numbers oh, here. Deadlift? Yeah. What do, I mean, what are you, what are you doing? Oh, sure. Well, I weigh about 173 right now. 
and I recently pulled five sixty. Hell yeah! Squatted five or three eighty, which is not great. But to be honest, I've had so much hip pain over the past several years that was really good for me. My bench is a little over three hundred, so I think it's three ten recently. Cleaned. I did a hang power with two eighty, and then also a power from the floor two eighty. Recently, on my best all time list, I guess I've done. A 575 deadlift, a squat 400. I think I'm right at 400. It's my best. I've clean and jerked 270 log. I've tripled a 290 pound axle for three. Clean and jerk 300 pound axle. I've done farmers with, I think my heaviest pick ever was like 345 per hand for maybe like 15 feet. But I've walked 300 pounds for, I think, 100 pounds or 100 uh, feet. Oof. Loaded 340 stone to like 40, 42. I've done up to like 890 pound yoke walks, I guess. Uh, those are just super specific strong, man. But that was over 10 years ago. So it's yeah. awesome stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty it's cool rock, that you're rock, that, rock that rock close rock. to it with your deadlift 10 years later, right? Yeah. I, I, what's funny is I don't wear a belt anymore. I get, maybe you guys can help me with this, but I get a strong, sharp abdominal pain every time I try to pull or squat with a belt on. And it feels like something's blowing up in my body. So I stopped doing it a couple of years back. Do you have any adductor symptoms there? No. Uh-uh. Okay. It's kind of deep. I don't know. I thought sometimes it's my stomach, you know, but it feels like I'm having like a yeah. abdominal aortic aneurysm, you know, like something real bad. <laughs> you might. So I just got scared. You might be. You yeah. might be. Joker. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> don't, don't put the belt on after you eat pizza. I think it's the pizza that's probably throwing you off. <laughs> it could be. I mean, if that was the case, I would continue to get the belt off and just eat pizza. Yeah, exactly. What kind of pizza? I, what kind of pizza you rocking with over there? You just said you said you had a whole pie tonight, like Michael Jordan on the last dance. <laughs> yeah. Here's my thing. So my wife eats a couple pieces. So what I do is I order a pizza, and I get like an extra slice or two, just so I can have like. A full pie <laughs> <to> myself. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I love it. So yeah, I just have pepperoni tonight. I mean, I usually keep it simple with the cheese, but tonight was uh, was an accident. Actually, I didn't order pepperoni, but that's how it came. So no objections. Went down. Awesome. All right, all right, Dan. We're we're past the main portion, so we're moving to the the lightning round. So we're going to pepper you with some questions around the room. Take take as much time as you need to, but they're they're becoming like our standard questions for all the guests coming on here. So I'll, I'll kick it off. One one thing we're trying to define here is like what how do you define strong? So give us like a a lift or multiple lifts and like a standard for that lift that makes you define somebody as strong. Yeah, that's a tough one. I think that people can total elite in powerlifting. I think that's real impressive. I would say if you can compete at a national level, that's also very impressive, especially in Olympic weightlifting. Those guys have been extremely strong recently, you know. In terms of a guy like me, so I weigh Oh, 175, I guess. I mean, if I was able to, oh God, snatch high 200s and clean jerk, low to mid 300s, I consider that very strong, you know? In the CrossFit world, a lot of people are doing it. It's, it's kind of wild, you know? And these guys are probably 185, 190 doing it. So it's pretty amazing. That makes sense. Is that good? Let's be more specific. Hey, it's, it's, it's whatever you define it as. Exactly. I would say that, yeah. If you can compete at a national level in a sport, if you can totally lead in powerlifting, I think that makes you very strong. Yeah. Then you're comparing yourself against others. You know, it's, I mean, it's tough to say like a 600 pound deadlift. I would love to deadlift 600 pounds, but if I weighed 250 pounds, that would probably be much less impressive. You know, it would have to be 700. How tall, how tall, are, how, how tall are you? I'm five foot nine. Five nine, one seventy three. Okay. Oh, you'd be a, you'd be a great crossfitter if you would have started 10 years yeah, ago instead of the strongman stuff. So here's I actually did. Every, Every, everyone on this podcast is over six feet. It, you know, we got like, I feel like we're all at a tremendous disadvantage at just, <laughs> just initially. Well, that's why yeah, Nick called everybody little boy. Yeah, little boy. Yeah, Nick calls everyone <laughs> little boy. <laughs> I'm so fucking tall. Six foot even. <laughs> hey, Dan Pope, favorite training shoe ever? Oh, God. I've been wearing Nanos for the past probably eight years. Yeah, hell yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, but yeah. which one, man? I'm not a huge apparel guy, though. What number? How dare you. Which one? Yeah. Yeah, which number? Oh, God. Sevens, maybe? Oh, no, literally no one ever said that. You, you made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> that was... That was a, even, Reebok, even Reebok wanted to bring those things back. 
<laughs> I can go grab the shoe, to be honest. No, it's, it's fine. Look, again, these are just standard stupid questions. that we, we did a whole episode on shoes, Dan and I did. So, yeah, there's people that have shoe fetishes. There's people that don't. Good for you for not. Dan, what's your, what's your <laughs> quick question? Yeah, what's your favorite seltzer, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic? <laughs> oh, God, man. I, uh, I like Spindrifts. I think they're delicious. They're actually uh, in Massachusetts. Have you guys had those before? No. Never. I just started talking about yeah. these like two weeks ago. It, it was a game changer. Oh, they're good. They actually have some juice in them, so they're not just straight. I don't even know what seltzer's made of, but uh, it's, they're really tasty. I'd give it a shot. I think they're from Waltham, which is the same town that I work in. So yeah, local company, good stuff. I have what's no idea where you can get them. And, and, the, <laughs> and fla- what's the flavor you go to? What's your go-to flavor there? They got a bunch of really good ones. They have like a strawberry lime, I think it is. It's quite delicious. That's probably my favorite. How about the alcoholic side? You, you, you fuck with any of that? Not with the seltzers. To be honest, I always thought they were weird because you can just pour vodka and seltzer and you got it, you know? But I'm not how like a white claw. But it's in, but it's in a like can. It, yeah, it's in a can. It, it comes there for you. True. Yeah. The good people are white claw and high noon and you know, Bud Light seltzer. <laughs> I think it's truly up there. Everyone. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah it's truly. Know, yeah. It's, white claws are big. Yeah. I don't know. That maybe it's well, not the, a Boston thing. Who knows? The pro move, Dan, is to take the lime spindrift and throw some tequila in there and get yourself that, that clean margarita. That's there you the way go. To go. So that's your that's there your you go, man. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, give me give me your PR song. You're going to hit your five seventy five deadlift again. What are you throwing on the stereo? Oh boy, that's that's a good one. It's all about that a little bit. I listen to uh, you guys know Hatebreed? Yeah. I like yeah. metal music a lot. They're, they're kinda like a hardcore, not as much metal, a hardcore band. Yeah. Trying to think. There's a lot of really good ones. Mm. You can't I listen to them all during a lift. You got to pick one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, Dan, I have to. Uh, uh, the barrel of today. Just... What's that? Barrel of today. Yeah, I was gonna say. Have down the barrel of today. I think it's called. Throw that baby on there. What do you think? Years. <laughs> I just just remind me if I, I have a friend with that tattoo. The hate. Would you say uh, hate breed tattoo? And he actually had to get a yeah. cover up. He got. He got it when he was 18 years old. It's the dumbest tattoo ever. Yeah. And he, he just got yeah. a cover up here at age 34. Awesome. Yeah. What do you cover up with? It's this massive chain link. I'll send you a picture if you, if you want to. It's actually an amazing cover up. It's <laughs> maybe the worst original tattoo ever done. Well, I, I do have a really, really piss poor shitty Steelers tattoo that I got at 18 on my back. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm right there rivaling. If I could take a scalpel and just rip the, rip the skin off and not, ruin all my shirts it, it would have been gone years ago i love some good i love some good bad tattoo conversations i got one for you home gym essentials one singular yeah. thing that look if you just need to get it in at home what are you telling the people to buy yeah that's that's trippy I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say a landmine and you really just need a barbell with some plates you know is really what you need you don't really need a landmine attacking but you know, I, I would say a barbell with some plates and a squat rack is probably the best thing, but I think you can get so much stuff done with a landmine. You can load up like rows, presses, half kneeling presses, you can even do presses from the floor, all different variations of lunges, things like a deadlift, you know, you can squat with it, deadlift, there's so much you can do, you know. So probably landmine attachment and some plates. Perfect. Got one more quick hitter for you, Dan Pope. In your ideal day, you know, let's say the gym isn't involved, work isn't involved. Mike and Lenny don't have your cell phone. What do you like to do for fun? What's your outlet? <laughs> oh, man. I'm pretty lame, man. Uh, I like hiking a lot. I like being outside. I like concerts. Going to a concert would be fun. I like metal music. Hey, hey breed. One of those. Well, what's your, what are your Maybe hey, breed. Breed or something? Very good life. I was not a hey, breed fan until I went to see them live when I was a fan. That's a wild. That music was meant to be listened to live. So, yeah, I, I like hiking a lot. Probably some hiking followed by a giant meal as much as I can eat. Maybe pizza, maybe Mexican. Followed by me some ice cream, and then go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's not boring at all, man. That sounds like a great day. Okay. <laughs> all right, Dan. We're we're moving to the final section, and you're you're bringing the book of the week, and I don't want any wishy washiness. I want you to give us one book that everybody has to read. <laughs> all of your quick your lightning round questions were kind of like you weren't sure about anything. We need a book that the the listeners <laughs> have to read. So give us a book. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. 
this is going to be a little wishy-washy too. We, we have so antagonistic to poor Dan. This is like the most antagonistic I've ever been. I've ever been about to be it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. So, you sorry, guys sorry, heard Dan. of Matthew Kahn? I gotta, I'm going to look up the name of his book right now. I would hope so. Matthew Kahn. No. Yeah, I don't know that one. Everything is here to help you by Matthew Kahn. Everything is that a pain is, All right, <laughs> Everything yeah, is here to help you by Matthew Kahn. Awesome. Yeah, it's a weird one. Okay, we're going to go and give us a quick synopsis talk about it at all. Or? The yeah. book jacket. Yeah. The book jacket. Uh, <laughs> can you give us like a, a weird one? A little, uh, little book jacket, like quick description. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, usually, when yeah. when Dan brings a book, he'll give us like the the whole story in his uh, synopsis. So you got to <laughs> got to tell the listeners. Yeah, for sure. This is a funky one, so. I think it's uh, it's helpful for people trying to figure out how to make the best decisions in their life and move them forward. It talks a lot about your ego and making sure you're making decisions in your life for the right reasons, right? And not allowing that a little emotional ticker talk is running your head to run your life basically every single day. So it's more of a self-development book, you know? on how to deal with your own ego and make sure that you're making decisions in your life for the right reasons and moving forward, you can be happy and healthy, I guess. Yeah, that's what we're here for. Everything is here to help you, Matthew Kahn. Very, very good. Yeah. All right. Fellas, I brought a challenge this week for the gym hitters, so we're, we're all bringing cover songs to the to the table this week. Dan, you, you have any you want to throw in on top of your hate breed, or are you sitting this one out? Man. Oh, are we actually singing? This is a tough category. Oh, we're not singing. Absolutely not. This is just going on our playlist, going on the Strategy of Fitness gym hitters playlist. I don't know. Bon Jovi? I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> well, it's it's got to be a cover song. Maybe? you got to listen to the topic of the week. All right, all right Dan, you're, you're out of covers. Nick, Nick, you give me your first one. First one. I'm going to the Punk Goes Pop Well twice tonight, boys. <laughs> I Knew You Were Trouble, originally by Taylor Swift, arguably could make the playlist. But redone by We Came as Romans. Just enough of a little flair on there to make the make the playlist. Dan, what do you have? I like both I like both versions. My first one I got actually found two and it took me a while to find these. But number one, Higher Ground by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's the cover of a Stevie Wonder song. So Higher Ground, awesome, awesome jam. Cool. Didn't even know they did that. What about you, Rob, with your cool topic idea? <laughs> well, I can- you know what? I'd like to bring a little bit of different flavor to the to the hitters. So, you know what? You just you just gotta gotta make do. So my my first one is Gary Clark Jr. with with Come Together. I know Beatles are are Dan's like favorite band of all time. So he's probably upset that I'm picking a cover of a Beatles song, but Gary Clark Come Together. That's cool, Gary Clark. I think the first time, first three song individual anyway on on the pod or on the playlist. My my next one, Punk Coast Pop again. The Beebs, Love Yourself, redone by Grayscale. Great song. Great band name. Is that from the Game of Thrones reference? <laughs> I don't I can't imagine it is because this remake was, uh, I don't know, maybe it was. It would have been early in the Game of Thrones run. We'll see. We will see. My second one, the Rage Against the Machine cover album, the Renegades album, which is easily their worst album and my least favorite. However, the song that they cover from Cypress Hill, how could I just kill a man? I'll give that my, my next go. Rage Against the Machine. Great song. Great choice. My last one, I'm going back to Muse again. I had them a couple of weeks ago, and they covered Feeling Good by Nina Simone. That, that's, uh, the original is a good one, but their, their version is much more of a gym hitter. Perfect. I hope we were recording this the whole time. I thought it was a pretty good episode. Yeah, I thought it was great. And hey, just so everyone knows, if, if the sound sounds a little different, we had some Zencaster issues and we are on Ring Central. So hopefully this came out well. Dan Pope, thanks so much. Rob, I'll let you kind of take it from here. Yeah. And you want to want to plug to the, our, I think we get like around two to three million downloads and episodes. Anything you want to plug, throw it out there, right out there now. Wow. That's basically Joe Rogan, you know? It's pretty good, man. I'm waiting for the Spotify um, offer to come in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, guys, check out uh, fitnesspainfree.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram and then also Facebook, although I'm not as active on there. But Fitness Pain Free, I'm all over the place, so you can find me there. 
Yeah, you absolutely if people want to come see you, you're up in, in Boston. If people need to see you for see you in person. You got it. Champion Physical Therapy and Performance in Waltham, Massachusetts. About 30 minutes outside of Boston. Nice. Dude, thanks so yeah, much thank for coming so on, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, yeah, stop cutting me off, Dan. Dan. Uh, stop cutting me off, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> trying to thank him. <laughs> thank you, Dan. Hey, Dan, thanks. Thanks for coming. Have a great time. Hey, Dan, just want to say thank you. See you, guys. Yeah, thank you for having me on. All right, thank you. Thank you, Alamars.